tuning into the BSN Bucks Podcast live from the Blake Street Tavern. Man, am I happy to be here today. A rough week in Chaps world and couldn't be a better place in the world than the Blake Street Tavern here with two of my best buddies in the world, Ryan Konigsberg and Will Whalen. Uh, but if you can't make it all the way down to lower downtown, let's say you're in the Broomfield area, why don't you stop off at the Colorado Keg House, uh, 36 and Wadsworth, uh, right next to the Broomfield Event Center. They good concerts there. Maybe go see a concert, then head over to this place. They've got the best craft beers around. They are the actual home for Colorado craft beers, nitro, ales, IPAs, all that good stuff. They've got TVs everywhere. Good place to catch a game, too. So stop over there. Tell them we sent you. Why not? Uh, Everyone loves BSN Denver, so talk us up even more. And you know what's crazy is I just met the first two people in my life who actually live in Broomfield. I didn't think people actually lived in... Do they live in that little area there? I like that. They live in those developments right around the First Bank Center. Well, let them know about the Colorado Cake House. I'll I'll be sure to do that, Right, I'll be sure to do that. Uh, I've got to check it out for myself. Going up to Boulder, cover these practices. Fall camp has started. We're going to need a place to meet up uh, that isn't the Blake Street Tavern from time to time. And I think the Colorado Cake House is a great choice. And the good thing about Colorado Cake House is they offer strictly beer. Like, you have no other options but to drink beer. How many times can we say Colorado Keg House <laughs> before our first full commercial break? Um, that's going to be it because we're going to go into this segment. Tremendous. Uh, we have seen now about a week. Yeah, it's Thursday. So we've seen a week of fall camp. Uh, there's been two open practices. I have been at both. Uh, Ryan has been covering the Broncos, but he has the sources. I have the eyes. Uh, we make a good team together. Uh, and I'm just here. I'm I've just heard here. that Colorado is a keg house of football players. <laughs> that wasn't even. That was like my. That was me. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like, your best. Like work. we've just switched roles. That was terrible. But you think like they're these big burly guys? But they don't. Kegs. They're undersized for the Pac-12. Well, that's actually one thing we have learned this fall camp. The Buffs. Gained a lot of weight. There's a lot of guys looking big out there. I uh, also gained a lot, a lot of, speed. of weight since last fall. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> are we actually going to discuss anything on this podcast no, today? Or are we just gonna are we just going to crack wa- crack jokes back and forth? <laughs> Isn't that what we always do? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think the two guys physically that jumped out to me would be Kenneth Olegbody and then uh, Derek McCartney. Those two guys got a lot bigger. Um and honestly, I mean, isn't this what we kind of say damn near every offseason? Yes. Oh, the team looks so much bigger. And this is kind of one of those things that might have been last week or the week before where I was talking about the traps that you fall into in fall camp uh, in terms of buying into stock. But I, I don't put a lot of stock into these guys looking bigger than before. They just kind of do. Uh, so I don't know what that actually means. But, yeah, I mean, they have Pac-12 size now. And, you, and you've heard one of three things that McIntyre has said all of fall camp thus far was at media day. And he says he feels like they actually have kind of an intimidating front line now. I don't know that I totally agree with that because put that D-line up against the D-lines of UCLA, USC, uh, Stanford, guys like that, it, there's still going to be a difference. But, I mean, I, I guess – Step-by-step improvement. You know, Wait, the, the, I have the, a quick question. Quick question. You mentioned a little bit about Mike McIntyre being very, what's the word I'm looking for? Coach dull? speaky? Yeah. Like dull. Whatever it is, whatever the word is. I obviously haven't been there, but I've been watching the videos on bsnbuffs.com. And I want to ask you guys why you think he's being like that. Because 
it ju- it seems worse than last year. It's a lot and, worse than it was ever. He's only had to talk to the media six times. It's right. not like we're in day thirty of or day twenty one of fall camp, and there's nothing really left to be said. And he's asked every question. This is like day one. Your your video was a minute and forty seconds or something. Like usually yeah. the day one video is five minutes long. What's up with that? Yeah, you know. I was there with uh, Brian Hall, Adam Monster-Tagger, Neil Welk, and a couple of students today. Uh, so, you know, the regular faces. It, it's not like some guys there asking BS questions. It's the regular faces asking, trying to get more for their beat. For their story. Right. right. And Mac knows these guys. Mac knows they're accountable. They're going to be here tomorrow if they ask a BS question or write a BS thing. It's not like some guy is in there doing something weird. It's, that's what the most interesting part is to me. He's not giving, you know, respected Adam Mustertagger anything. You know, like so respected, I, I, you can't even say his name right. Heard, <laughs> hello. <laughs> I mean, but seriously, but, but like, it's it's you're yeah. exactly right, and I don't I don't get it. I look at you look at Tad Boyle, and like I hate to bring things to basketball because people always get pissed when I do that, but it's true. It's Tad the Boyle, other person that we've all dealt right, with. I mean, open practices every year, all year long. He will talk to the media however long it takes. Um, and He'll even hang around once you put the reporter right. down and talk to you for he a few doesn't, minutes. And he doesn't BS, but that's just Tad Boyle. Last year when he was talking about his, uh, his daughter's basketball team, it was amazing. Well, I don't, but that's the thing. I don't think Tad Boyle and Mike McIntyre are all that different as coaches in some ways. They're both – maybe they are different. I don't get the sense that they're super different. I don't get the sense that either of them are great game day guys. I get the sense that they know how to prepare and whatnot. With the media, though, they couldn't be more opposite. And I don't – there's no disadvantage to speaking well, candidly with media. And, and that goes back to the original one. question that Ryan asked. And I think that's probably the reason. I think that Mike McIntyre sees that this is a contract year with his job, sees how little progress in terms of win losses have been made, and – you know, football coaches are paranoid. That's the whole reason football practices are closed in the first place is Mike McIntyre is somewhat paranoid that something is going to get out that could jeopardize a trick play or something that he's doing. And, you know, whether you believe that's true or not, that's what he believes, and that's why he doesn't want to give anything away, at least in my eyes. Well, to that, at Media Day, he made, a, he made some comment. There was a question to him about things that he's been telling his team or whatever. It wasn't the greatest question in the world, but it, it was a regular old question. That was my question. No, no kidding, it wasn't. I, well, we don't need to go into that now. <laughs> but it was somebody asking something about what he tells the team. He's like, you know, I'm not going to tell you what I tell my team because I don't want it to end up on bulletin boards everywhere. And it's like, bro, like, do you really believe at the – you're the head coach? Like, you're not like Alabama, dude. Like, you're not Nick Saban. Nobody <laughs> outside of this area really cares about what you have to say because – you guys have been irrelevant. And, you and I get what, you're coming up, and you don't want to, like, maybe risk that, but come on. Do you remember when he made the comment about how he thinks it's BS that Notre Dame isn't in a conference? And I think, like, someone at ESPN tweeted out, and every single response was, who is Mike McIntyre? Who is Mike <laughs> McIntyre? Who is Mike Like, unfortunately for him and the Buffs, they aren't relevant enough for right. that stuff matters. But I just don't understand the reasoning for being like that with the media because when it comes down to it, like Jake said, th- these people are just trying to do their jobs. Um, and by not saying anything, like, you know, you ask him a qu- Jake asked him a question about Tedrick Thompson, 
and by you know jake wants to write a cool story about tedrick thompson and his growth and how he went you know and now how he's become a leader on the defense and when you say tedrick thompson's a good player i think he's a pac-12 caliber player he had a good practice today it's like no of course he's a pac-12 caliber player right it's he's in third team all pac-12 preseason and here's the last thing i want to say about so many closed practices and i know certain some some media members prefer you know less closed practices and i i realize it's not, not everyone wants to spend you know two to three hours of their day watching football practice but to just have three i think is too few and here's the deal if you're paranoid about someone being there just make it uh media only and you choose the media that comes in you know, it's not like uh, Todd Graham is throwing Will Whalen five hundred bucks under the table to be like, "Hey, tell me about Yo, some low key." Like if Todd Graham, if he threw me like stop, <laughs> stop. But five hundred, five hundred could go a long way right now. Stop. Uh, it's you can control these type of things. It's like the Broncos have walkthroughs in the stitches after- get stitches, bro. It's like the Broncos have walkthroughs in the afternoon, and they only make those open to the media, and it's only a select media. It's only the media that they really trust. So why not do that? Because it helps. Right. If you it can helps close your practices. You can you can regulate it as tight as you want. Do you realize the hype? The hype that surrounds like certain players. Like everyone is really excited to watch Khalif Raymond play for the Broncos tonight because he's been getting hyped up constantly by the media that's watching him practice. It helps the coverage of your team. It gets your name out there more, and it gets people more excited about it. One, when you don't open things up to the media, and I said this last time about two podcasts ago. You make people make assumptions, and assumptions normally don't end up good, at least for like, you. I assume not everybody sucks. Back. Right. That's where I'm at right now. I assume the whole team sucks. Two, there were three people there today that don't work for CU Buffs or CUBuffs.com. It was me, Adam, and Brian. You can control that. That is not a number that is uncontrollable. Right. Three people. Like right. You, and, and, congr- like, and say something. You want to kill all the hype that you had during the summer? Congratulations. You have three non-school credentialed media at your practice. And, two, and they don't and know only, anything about the team. Right. And only two of them don't have an affiliation with the university. I'm a student there. It's like, come. And, and honestly, here's the thing. Do you guys remember at the end of Embry's tenure, the pieces being written about that team were brutal. I mean, from the Daily Camera to the Denver Post, I was read. I, w- I wasn't attacking anybody, but the pieces were matter of fact that this is among the worst football ever seen, maybe the worst football ever seen at Colorado. And despite that, Embry wasn't always upbeat, but he never shut down. Embry gave. Embry would still go into detail, even if it wasn't exactly what you wanted to hear. Embry would still recognize that you have a job to do. And then he, he would talk to you about it. McIntyre has never been great about that. And I don't know why it is. Maybe it's a SE, like coming out of the South type of thing in terms of the football culture there and the skepticism of media. Because you see that same kind of skepticism from guys like Nick Saban and whatnot down there. I don't know what it is. But nobody for year four with the pressure on McIntyre, the media coverage is super delicate. If anything, let's be honest, I think McIntyre's got a complete pass from the media in his career. Essentially, I, I feel like the media is sick of tearing down CU coaches. It's Probably. been one after the other. It's like, geez, come one of these guys succeed already. I don't know what it is, but Mac has got enough Plus, pass. I mean, the guys who were uh, known for being hard on them are all gone. I mean, yeah. Kyle Ringo, if he's still around, I don't know if – his coverage is still as as uh, upbeat as Brian Howells's. Uh, John Henderson is no longer here to hit, to write slam pieces about these these 
uh, coaches. So, so shouldn't you be as a coach be like, damn, I have it easy? You should be grateful. I think so. Yeah, but he, but you you're also he's coming from a place that's in Jose State where there was one person covering the team, and it, and they were doing well, so there was never anything negative. So it, you know it it's kind of the opposite for him now. I you know I would actually. Respect but, myself a lot more if I actually ask this question during a post-practice press conference and be like, Coach, it doesn't seem like you have a lot to say this year. Why the hell Adam that? did that last year. I mean, yeah, it's fair to – it's – actually, you know, that was after the Arizona game. Wasn't it Adam or was it Kyle Ringo? No, it was Ringo. Kyle Ringo. It was Ringo. Of course it was Kyle Ringo. <laughs> Kyle Ringo is awesome, by the way, and if you yeah. hate him, you're wrong. Uh, Love that. He was like, Coach – you seem upset. <laughs> <laughs> Three questions go. <laughs> I just don't get it, man. Like, and it's so, it's so kind of uh, juvenile that it doesn't make me read into the team initially anymore. But again, like but you, instead you keep of hype, saying, instead like, of talk, what am right I supposed now, to do? Look, this segment. Specifically, this segment was supposed to be talking about the guys we ta- we liked from watching in fall camp. What has it turned into? Because we can't see us them. Slam and McIntyre, let's right. go. Let's right. go. So That's- it went from us wanting to talk about how good I thought Anthony Julemisi looked in fall camp to us slamming Mike McIntyre because we've seen three hours of Anthony Julemisi. I and that's it. That's all yeah. you can like that's that's it. That's the basis for why we're upset. Well, and for me, I mean, it's like how many times am I gonna watch a fall camp and fall in love with a dude? Only to see everything fall apart week one. But it's still the hype. The hype is good. Yeah, the hype is great for the if you were out just, there. I'm t- just talking personally. If you were out there tweeting, uh, you know, Sefo Lufau looks awesome right now. He, he's completely trusting that foot. He's making throws that he wasn't making before. I mean, that kind of stuff is great. Even last year, Tyler tweeting the emojis. Like, the simple thing of Steven Montez fire emoji. That gets people excited. Yeah. That none of that stuff is happening. I was mostly, I mean, I was at practice, but I was, you know, perusing Twitter when you guys were, when the practices were open and it's like, first of all, you can't tweet anything. So, you know, all that's happening is Jake sees Anthony Julmisi and he's like, oh, he's good. But like, that doesn't help the program get hype the same way that it helps for the coaches to be active on social media and, and pumping up the team. It would be, it would be helpful for you to be having the media talking about the team on social media and what they're seeing all the time as well. Because the reality is, is if the media hypes up your team and they're wrong, that's not on you. That's on the media. You know, it's like uh, Todd Graham at Arizona State got a whole talking to from his AD this year, or even the president of the university, I forget who it was, about tempering expectations to, like, learning how to not boast the whole time and let other people hype up the program for him. And their self-expectations are the Rose Bowl. In the Pac-12 championship. That's not our expectations. Right. So there's no way the media could hype your team up or get your expectations up higher than what you already have them. And, and even talking about this, we, we shouldn't even be talking about this. This is a waste of our time because but, – but we have to now. Like this is the thing that we kind of like have to talk about because it well, because is the most prevalent storyline of fall camp. Well, it's the, the lack of storylines <laughs> is the storyline. And it sucks because if you want to know anything about what's going on there, you have to read Neil Welk. I respect Neil Welk. He's a great writer. But he has an angle. So you're not really learning anything because you have to take everything with a grain of salt. He's an, 
in a sense, he's an extension of the coaching staff. He is. And, and that's fine. And hell, I want that job. Yeah, you know no, it's I mean? a, and, it, and it's a great thing for CU to have. I wouldn't blame them for having it. It's just unfortunate because you're not getting any real life coverage of what's happening there. I mean, last year, like, it's not even like they took a couple. Last year, I looked. We had eight open practices last year. It was a perfect amount. I felt like I knew what was going on in the team. And, and it, we drank the Kool-Aid. Right. Like, we were at this point last year, we were like, damn, everything looks pretty good inside practice. Now, I mean, all, you, you guys saw them in, in shorts. There's nothing you can take saw from them. Saw them in shorts and shells. I know. And that's the thing is that that's why I think – this CSU game is the biggest game of Max's career. I'll be honest. That's a, this is all contributing to that. And what we saw in all buffs this actually a few hours ago was the biggest thread in the most talked about thread is does Mike McIntyre last through this year? So because Will said that, we're going to transition into that and we're going to talk about that on the other side of this break. Fossil Trace Golf Club is a destination for golfers across the country. Tucked into the foothills of Golden, Colorado, Fossil Trace is one of the most unique courses in America. Hole 12 was named one of the most fun 18 holes in America by Golf Digest. Fossil Trace is 5280's best golf course, and it's less than 20 minutes from downtown Denver. Go to Fossil Trace to escape the ordinary and discover the extraordinary with prehistoric and modern. Schedule your tee time up to 60 days in advance at FossilTrace.com. Preferred Organic Therapy is one of Denver's original dispensaries. They've carried a fine list of award-winning strains since 2009, and they now carry Colorado's largest selection of edibles. You'll find other things like Apothecana oils and creams, Marcaha oral tinctures, and Charlotte's Web CBD. Nobody gives you the variety that Preferred Organic Therapy does. We're conveniently located off of I-25 and Colorado Boulevard. Preferred Organic Therapy, a better way to heal. Don't miss the Yamaha Get Out and Ride sales event at Coyote Motorsports. With low APRs, huge customer cash, and more on Yamaha motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-sides. From championship Yamaha sport bikes and YZs to sport ATVs and side-by-sides and Grizzly, Viking, and Wolverine models. So see Coyote Motorsports today for huge Get Out and Ride savings. Offers good 216 through 63016 on select Yamaha motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-sides. See Coyote Motorsports for details. Back on the BSN Buffs podcast, this is Jake Shapiro alongside Will Whalen and Ryan Koningsberg. Will said to just toss it to him first when the segment started, but you forgot about something. The Clock Tower Grill. (laughs) (laughs) If you're coming down to Denver this summer or this fall, why don't you stop over at the Clock Tower Grill? $3 Long Islands on Mondays, 99 cent wings on Wednesday, $3 shots on Fridays. It is the perfect place to what? To get Get your your pregame on. Oh, yes. Come on, Will. <laughs> Will, I, Will, Will I, wants I, I out just, so quick. <laughs> Put me out to pasture. Put me out to pasture. <laughs> so stop over at the Clock Tower Grill. Right off the Lincoln Light Rail Station. Will, tossing it to you. <laughs> that was fantastic. Um, yeah, as everybody knows, we've been doing uh, some scavenger hunting for great content. See what bus fans are really into these days. Uh, and frankly probably no better place to do that than all buffs and on that message board certain topics get a lot of traction and lately there's been a lot of talk about csu as there is every year because i will whisper this 
CU and CSU is a really big rivalry. But right Sorry, now, I didn't hear that. What did you say? You whispered something. Anyways, people are wondering, Mike McIntyre, does he make it through 2016? And there's a, a poll on All Buffs football message board and 17 pages worth of discussion uh, about basically how long will Mike McIntyre last? And there's a handful of options here. I'll tell you the one that I voted for, and, and I'll let you guys decide what you think got most popular. Uh, the first option is, does Mike McIntyre only last one game? If CSU beats CU, does Rick George say, screw it, I'm making a change? No way. Two games. Buffs lose to CSU and a D1AA program, gone. That would, call, that would, that would that absolutely would. happen. I don't think that... I don't think they're going to lose both those games. But if they did, yeah, Mike McIntyre. If they lose toast. both of those games, there's a greater chance that you're coaching the Buffs week three in Michigan than than Mike McIntyre. Dude, that would be pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. Me running the sideline, going into the big house. I want to know how far you can run behind Ralphie. Like, what's the distance? Can well, you get, no, like can you I'll make it, make like it 100 yards. yards. I just won't like feel that good afterwards. Uh, three to four games. Michigan, Michigan and Oregon are certain losses, but if they get embarrassed. Five to six games, bus sitting at two and three or two and four may spark this. Seven, eight games or three and five. Nine, ten games, they're not eligible for a bowl. This makes it easy. Or the last two, does he get a 2017 extension by making a bowl game? Or will he last 11 to 12 games with the Buffs going into their final homestand, four and six, and he has to win both? I'll tell you what I voted for. I voted for that one. I think if Mike McIntyre has to win both home games to make it to a bowl, if he's going to be fired midseason, that's when it would happen. If he's going to be fired. No way. And I'll tell you why I think that. And number one, 23.8% of people agree with me. 44.1% of voters think that the bus will make a bowl game and he'll be extended. (laughs) That's faith. You want to talk about the hype machine is not dead yet. A lot of people have faith. But my thing is this, is I don't, I, I don't think he'll be fired midseason, personally, even if they are 4-7 and seven going into the last game. I don't think he gets fired. I think Rick George will let the season play out and go to uh, a new coach in that event. If there is a change, I think it will happen after the season. But my justification for going to that last weekend – Remember, there's almost always a slight uptick in play yes, yes. when you have a, a basically an interim coach. Named. There was a reason they fired Dan Hawkins then, though. Right. They had True. just gotten. They just had one of the most embarrassing losses ever. But again, across you, you, they still had a chance to make a bowl game. I like how I didn't even let you set it up. <laughs> sure. But here's the thing: is that at the end of the day, it, it, that's not just CU that sees a bump. Every program, it, I think. There was some study I saw around that time, or numbers, whatever the hell it is, was talking about some kind of bump that you get from that change just because it's a new energy, renewed focus, blah, blah, blah. If, if they're four and six and you promote Levitt, if you're going to make a change and you promote Levitt, I mean, those, those are two games that you can win and two games that end your bolus streak and possibly turn around your program. You have to take that chance if you, if you truly believe that that 
A, is really important to get to a bowl game no matter who the coach is, and B, if you think that Levitt or someone else gives you a better chance to do it than Mike McIntyre, that's when you make a change. I think if there's a question, if, if they're thinking about doing it, yeah, you give uh, Jim Levitt the tryout period. But I don't see it. If he still has a chance for a bowl game, he still has a chance for a bowl game, right. and I think that's their threshold. It's not like they think he has to get seven wins. And the thing is, it's not that – I don't know. It's more about the coach getting to a bowl game than it is about the program. Right. I don't think they're firing a coach to have a better chance of getting to the bowl game. You know what I'm saying? I, I understand what you're saying, and I've actually never thought about it like that. I wonder, though. I wonder if Rick George might see it more important for the program because the players are going to be here. Some of these players are going to be here after McIntyre's gone. Maybe McIntyre stays forever and some of them aren't. But with this, I mean, in this discussion, the players reaching a bowl game might benefit your program more than having your head coach reach a bowl game. If, again, this is all predicated on the thought that your athletic director might think going into your last two home games needing two wins that you have a better shot without your head coach. Yeah, I mean, I just don't. Which I, that line of thinking doesn't necessarily resonate with me. But I do think that other than losing to CSU and a D1AA program or an FCS program, other than that, that would be the situation where I see him getting fired unless they're three and six at one point. See, I don't buy so much into the hypotheticals of the win-loss record as so rigid. I believe if they get embarrassed and they do not have a chance at a bowl, that's it. That's when that's when you draw the closing. Uh, the, the, that's when you close the curtain. So let's say that you do lose those two first games of the season, which is very improbable. But let's say it does happen. That's the hypothetical where it's almost a guarantee where yes. that would happen. You know, but like rather than saying three and six or four and five or whatever, I think once they reach this point in the season, or if they get to the point in the season where, all right, they don't have a chance in the at a ball. Was progress made is the next question. And if that answer is a no, you might see him fired that day. If you're three and seven or four and seven, you got to be fired. On, on year four, I, 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 if, I, I, I'm not ready to say that now because I don't, I don't know what that three and seven or four and seven looks like. I, three I need and seven see, does not look I, – I, nothing, I, nothing about those look. I, mean, I know the win and loss record doesn't look good, but I need to see it and see what has happened. Do they lose half their team? Do the, does Cephalufau go out for injury? Does, you know, does their defense just absolutely blow up in terms of injuries? Is it Mike McIntyre's fault that they are at that record? I would say this. The only injury on this team – that I think you consider giving the head coach a pass on is your starting quarterback. However, Mike McIntyre it's has had time have a good backup quarterback. has had time to recruit someone. His job, your job as a head coach, every single year is to recruit somebody better than the guy you have in a spot. Oh, that's, no doubt. that's that's in your job description. And so if and you didn't even recruit Sefo, you've been recruit you have been relying on the kid that came in and was recruited before you were hired you couldn't recruit anybody better than the guy before you who got fired because he couldn't recruit good players that is a damning result for a head coach but that's at one position the most important position in sports you have in four years you have to have a guy that you can count on and hey i'm not counting i'm not counting out steven montez if if sefo gets injured that he can come in there and make some plays but if he can't 
And if he's so far behind that Jordan Gerke is taking that job if Sefo gets injured, that's that, your bad too. Then that's yeah. your fault. That's your fault, and it's not a pass. Look, we've we've so talked up so Sefo a lot. Basically, Mike McIntyre's best quarterback recruit to this point has been Joel Aweini. Possibly most productive. He's had the most production. Yes, and that's terrible. And I, and we've talked we talked about it this summer. I mean, I guess you could say Cade, Cade, Apps, yeah. yeah. We talked about it this summer, guys, about how this program hasn't done. It's damning that Lindgren and Mike McIntyre haven't been able to recruit somebody better at quarterback. If you are, if you're five and six, the last game we've talked about this situation a lot too. If you're five and six, you miss a field goal. Diego Gonzalez hits the uprights on a final second kick that could have sent you to to a bowl game. Dude, like that's painful. In this but, scenario, can it not be Diego Gonzalez? Okay. Uh, Sefo Se- misses a wide open Shea Fields. In the scenario that it is Diego, can we post a video of him tripping and kicking a field goal in six years? In six years, it's fair game. Uh, at least Diego Gonzalez isn't. Anyways. Um, but, okay, whatever the situation is, say it's, it's something like that. And, and you're talking about that, Jake, where you go, was progress made? They were literally one play away from making a bowl game. I, I make a change because at the so end of So it is strict so bowl you're, or bust. So you're saying bowl or bust 100%. Bowl, 100%. Okay. I, I don't dis- necessarily disagree vehemently. Like, I mean, that's like a really... Vehemently. Vehemently, vehemently. Uh, that's not that bad. That's not. <laughs> that's not that case. That's not that case. Still going to take that for the. For the, for that's the okay. Uh, I think you can vehemently. Ve- vehemently. What'd you say? Vehemently. Ve- now you got me saying it wrong. I Ve- really tried not to say words that I can't pronounce. I think I was all right. I think. I think there's multiple pronunciations there. Anyways, I don't disagree strongly with you. I mean that, but that scenario is the tough one. But that's it like is. the most ridiculous scenario possible. Right. I mean, I, if, I, if Alex Henry hits a 60-yard field goal against you to ruin your bowl eligibility. But, again, I just think it's bowl or bust. I do think Mike McIntyre, I mean, to the point of the discussion, I think, it, I think he makes it through the season. No matter what? Or just, well, he's not getting no, fired mid-season unless, like we said earlier. Oh. Right. I'm just saying what I actually think will happen. Not like hypotheticals. Okay, okay. What I actually think will happen is he makes it through the season, and if he doesn't make a bowl game, I do think a change is made, and I think we're looking at another. Wait, here's the. Here's but I, I think we're all. In ag- I think we're all in agreement with that. Where Mike McIntyre makes it through the season, no matter what. No, pretty much no matter what. Not, the more no we've matter, talked, well, not no matter. The what. more we've talked about this in this segment, the more I think about the fact that I think Rick George is going to know about six, seven, maybe eight games in where this thing is going. And I think Rick George believes that Jim Levitt could once again be a great head coach. If he feels like it's not happening and they're not going to a bowl game, I could see him making the change to Jim Levitt as a test drive. But it might have to be until they were mathematically eliminated from a bowl game for them to do that. Right, and that's what I look that's what I look at. And I think if you are three and five, say, so by game eight, what would that put you at? You, you have just completed your trip to Stanford. And if you've got three wins, your three wins are probably Oregon State, Idaho State, and CSU, your losses, Michigan, USC, ASU, Stanford. 
That's three and four, isn't it? Whatever. Uh, and then you lose to UCLA at home. If you're at that point or close to that, if you're sitting at three and five as, as an AD, do you think that you have the balls to say this team can't win two in a row? This team can't beat UCLA at home and at Arizona, or they can't beat Arizona then Washington State. Because all of a sudden, if you get to five and five going into Washington State week, or yeah, if you get into five and five by Washington State, that's not a, a super far stretch from three and five. Okay, one. That's tough. How many conference games have they won since the Pac-12? And that's the thing. The, there's then, no evidence. Right. And then you're saying they're going to win two in a row? I think, I, think the, I, think proof, I think the proof is already out there that that, that wouldn't happen. What no, if does no. it depend on how you looked? On their own. Does sure, it depend but, on how you looked put, in the losses? You, but you're putting you're putting your faith in this head coach who's proven he hasn't have the ability to to win Pac-12 games. He 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 has. They, they, I mean, they already put the faith in him by keeping him for this year. It's got to depend on what Oregon, USC, Arizona State, and Stanford look like. If those are ugly then I think you can have confidence as an AD being like, Here's we're the not going to get Oregon on a down year. We're not going to get Arizona State on a down year. For yeah, so, we're not for so long, anybody. For so long, we've talked about they have to keep showing trending up. Well, there's no further to go up without winning football games now. And I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. This team cannot improve in a way where you feel like it's really still going up steep that, without winning football games. Because while their their schedule is more difficult this year, it doesn't. You still have you have to win football games this year, and so I think when it comes down to it, Mike McIntyre makes it through the season. But if they don't win a bowl game, if they don't get to a bowl game, get to a bowl if game. they don't get to a bowl game, sure. Yeah, I don't think you have to win a bowl. No, game. No, no. I mean, you finish six and seven. You're like, huh? Well, we got there because yeah. nobody rem- like finishing. Nobody remembers. Like, name me the winner of one bowl game last season that wasn't. Right, uh, uh, Marquee. Nobody really cares. I only know that my Georgia Southern Eagles won the Go Daddy Bowl. Indeed, Go Daddy Champs. Yeah. I believe it's on their Twitter bio. That's it how is. much research you've done on it. It is. I mean, even when CU lost to Alabama, nobody cared. No, I like, mean, everyone was like, like a year we're, we're later, nobody team. cared. They're so like, that's the thing. Yeah. And I'm interested on Twitter to see what people think. In fact, I might even put it on Twitter. But they would win that bowl game. They would. CU would win a bowl. If they get to a bowl game, I'm personally guaranteeing the win right now. <laughs> what happens? Take if that they money lose? line. <laughs> what what uh, what are you going to put on it? Let's make. A, I mean, screw it. Let's make a bet right here, right now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Come on, put, Mr. VP. Put some, pitch something out there. I mean, you're the one who uh, says you're willing to guarantee. Let's put a hundred dollars on it. Yeah, if the buffs, I'm betting you. If the Buffs make a hundred dollars, if if the Buffs make a bowl game, and they lose. I get $100. What if they win? I pay you $100. Yeah, okay, I'll take that bet. So I mean, the, the more I talk about it, this doesn't sound like a great bet. This is the most hypothetical. <laughs> There's so many things that have to happen for this bet to even exist. I'm down for it, though. But, yeah, 100% guarantee they win the bowl game. You heard it here first. On the other side of the break, one of the leaders of the Colorado Buffaloes, George Frazier, talked to me today after practice. So we're going to have that audio. So stick around, and we'll be right back. 
Jackson's Hole opened in March of 1977 and quickly became the place for watching sports. Almost 40 years later, and Jackson's All-American Sports Grill is keeping the reputation alive. There's 65 and 70-inch TVs everywhere, the food is still amazing, and there's almost 30 beers on tap, including our table taps that you can control at your own booth. Come down to Jackson's All-American Sports Grill in Greenwood Village off Arapahoe and I-25, the original sports grill. By staying at the forefront of cannabis genetics, cultivation, and quality control, the clinic provides the best cannabis you'll find. And with 50 awards, they've won more than any other dispensary in Colorado. There's also a brand new clinic location right next to the Colorado Light Rail Station. And if you bring in a ticket from the game, they'll give you 15% off your entire purchase there. Seriously, check them out. Go to the new location off Colorado or go to theclinickcolorado.com. If you or somebody you know has been in any type of accident, call Flesh Law. You do not want to face the insurance company alone. If you are not sure what to do, Flesh Law offers free consultation and will meet with you for as long as you need. If you do decide to file, we'll have your litigation started immediately so that we can get your case resolved as fast as possible. Call Flesh Law at 303-806-8886. That's 303-806-8886 or Google Flesh Law. Welcome back to the BSN Buffs podcast. I'm here on the practice fields with George Frazier. George, how are things looking so far for you guys? Uh, things looking great right now. We're out here flying around, getting better every day, competing with the defense. I mean, we have a great defense to play against. So, I mean, things are going good right now. I got to ask you about your number. You changed from one to five here. Did G5 come before or after you changed your number? A G5 came before the number. I mean, I, I'm the fifth George, so I've always been the fifth. So I wear the five in, in place of that. Okay, okay. Um, you are a very versatile weapon. Uh, you've played tight end, fullback, defensive line. What can we expect from you this year? Are you going to mainly play at that fullback position? Uh, I mean, right now you can expect whatever the coach needs me. I mean, I'm, playing, I'm working at tight end, working at fullback. I mean, I'm always ready for anything. I'm just always trying to get better. You talk about getting better last year. I, I, you weren't utilized so much. You, you were uh, more in a blocking role, but you know people have talked about your hands as being very good hands. And do you, do you expect to have the ball physically in your hands a little bit more this year? Are you are you prepared for that? Um, I mean, I'm always prepared to have the ball in my hands. I just go in game in game out, just uh, ready for anything. Coach needs us to block, then and he's going to go in and block for whoever needs to get the rock that game. And if I have to have the ball in my hand, I'm going to make something happen with it. Okay. I, you know, you were named a captain, and, and that's got to be quite the honor, correct? Yes, sir. Take me through that moment where you find out you're a captain of the Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, I mean, we're just kind of in the in the meeting room. Coach just had the team kind of vote for captains, and we kind of voted for uh, so many people, and then all the guys that walked out, and then like, the team, I guess they, they picked from there. And then when I was, they just pretty much came in and just told us from there, we was captain. It was an exciting moment. Is that beyond it, – it's right, the, uh, the honor to, to do that, uh, I mean – I grew up a Buffs fan, so, I mean, I always looked up to guys that were captains at the Buffs. So you look at not only the guys that are on this team, but the kids that are in the community, and you think, hey, like, that, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a really cool thing, especially because, I mean, the, the Colorado tradition is a very, very big tradition, and just to know that my team uh, trusts me enough to make me a captain means a lot. You've got a lot of guys behind you this year. You have running back spot. Uh, you, you've got a freshman. You've got two guys that have been there before. Lee, who's made that transition. Have you seen anyone that stood out at that position to you uh, so far in fall camp? I mean, honestly, all of our running backs, they always go hard every day. Like, you can never really, like, mark off who's going to do what. Because any, any day, one of the running backs can make a big run, make a big play. I mean, they're all very talented. They're all very gifted. They are all ready to play right now, I believe. 
you think that's going to help you when you guys get to the season that you're just going to be able to cycle in and out running backs? Definitely, definitely. Keep the legs fresh, keep them there to run hard, have all of them out there ready to compete and make each other better every day is always a good thing. At wide receiver, you guys are also very deep. Uh, tight end, you've got a very good tight end as well. What can you speak to uh, in, in fourth-year quarterback? What can you speak to in terms of this offense and what, what the expectations are for them? I mean, we have very, very high expectations for ourselves. I mean, we've, we've been here. We've lost a lot. We've lost a lot of close games. I mean, so we, we know what to expect in the game. And for having so many people that's been around, so many athletes on the field, I mean, we have, we have nothing less but, but high hopes for us and very, very big, big future. Is there something you're looking forward to uh, that you've got a date marked or, you know, or just getting the ball? Is there something you're looking forward to this season? I mean, honestly, I just I just take it day by day, play by play, kind of work hard like that. I mean, I don't want to look too far ahead of anything because you never know what might happen. So we just want to work for, work for the now. Thank you, George. Thank you. So you just heard from the man himself, G5. Uh, like I said in the interview, he was underutilized in the sense that he didn't receive the ball much. He was more of a blocker. He was really good in that role, too. But for a guy that, that's bi- that, that is that big, you expect the Buffs to utilize him as a playmaker more, which is an interesting conundrum because they have a lot more playmakers this year. Maybe not as prolific as Nelson Spruce, but they have a lot of guys at those wide receivers and running back positions. So I'm trying to figure out when, when George Frazier is going to get the ball uh, and, and how he will be utilized because I think he can be such a difference maker to this team. George Frazier A is one of my favorite players to watch get to the ball. He is a bully. And for years, you watch teams line up at the goal line against CU. They try to run it straight ahead two times, and maybe CU would stop it. And it's third down, and you think in the press box, damn, this is a huge, huge play in this game, even though it's five minutes into the first quarter. And they run one of those simple play actions. The tight end leaks out, or the fullback leaks out, toss over the top of the line, touchdown. When CU started doing that with George Frazier, it was like, oh, my God, someone at CU gets it. Someone at CU gets the fact that you can use these big bodies that have soft hands just to curl out into the end zone and get you some points. And they did that in 2014. Obviously, not so much last year. Utilizing that for an offense that struggled so mightily to get in the end zone last year, I think is going to be huge. You have to utilize your weapons. And, and Mac has... Again, one of the few things he's actually said so far this camp is how much emphasis they've put on red zone. The first day of practice, he said that they went red zone for like a half hour. And that's something that he said they usually wait until later in fall camp to do. You would think that a guy like that would be a key factor in improving your red zone offense and improving your red zone efficiency. He's effective. Like it or not, he's effective as a pass catcher, and you've got to utilize guys like that. It's just unreal to me how little they used him last year because this is one of the rare mismatches that the Buffs can create. Yeah. But if you remember, it all the whole season started going downhill on a target to George Frazier from Cephal Lufau in the first game. Buffs are driving, trying to score a touchdown against Hawaii, and Cephal throws it. Behind George Frazier, it's picked off, and the rest is history. Yeah. So that's just a fun little fact about I George Frazier. But honestly, <laughs> you're right. I, that's I, the, that, that determined everything. Yeah, everything from there. Sefo, no, actually, Sefo did say it was a miscommunication on the route, so maybe he stopped trusting him. You know, if so, if so, that would be a bad look for Sefo, because you expect somebody like that, a guy who's established himself as a red zone weapon for you, 
in his first year at Boulder, you expect him to take that leap. And you expect to trust in him to take that leap. And yeah, he's, he's versatile. May, we, obviously, there was more going on, I'm sure, than we were privy to, uh, whether it be disciplinary issues, like you said, maybe trust with the quarterback, maybe trust with Lindgren, whatever it was. But my thing is, if you're not going to trust somebody to do what they're supposedly most effective at, and from our view, that was leaking out into the end zone and catching passes and maybe running a guy over in the process, if you can't trust a guy to do that, why would you simply trust him to block? Why would you simply, I mean, especially with the troubles they were having, getting the ball into the end zone, why would you trust him to do anything if you're not going to trust him to do what he's best at? That makes no sense to me. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was just situational and the situations didn't come up for him, but I don't I don't believe it. I, you know, I just think it was bad play calling to be honest. Yeah, and, and it was really interesting because they ran a lot of stuff for, like, bigger packages last year, so I was wondering why they didn't utilize him then. Well, Jake, I want to know what you saw, since we got a little bit off on a tangent there in that <laughs> first segment, I want to know what you saw during those open practices, despite it was limit, despite how limited it was. Uh, obviously, you saw something. What'd you see? Well, it was a little early, so I, you know, my eyes were kind of closed. No. Um... Sorry, that was a little... I've been getting up at 5 a.m. every day for Broncos camp. Just I'll have you know. I get home from work at 2 a.m. and I wake up at 6 a.m. pretty much every day. So, now that we've moved past... Um, But no, I... Your excuses. What I have seen is uh, Cephalufau looks fine. That's where you start. Cephalufau looks fine. And that's the number one thing you hear from everybody that you talk to around the program right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, no one's making excuses for Cephalufau. Uh, right. Cephalufau isn't making excuses for himself. So let's move past this injury thing. Yes. We're, we're, all, we're all in agreement he does not look injured. You know, first game of the year, let's look at his first series, make sure he's fine in game. But for the rest of fall camp, we're moving past this. Now, injury. we're not saying that he's looking like a Heisman winner in fall camp thus far, but he doesn't look injured. Right. He Mike looks, McIntyre said it last year. Yeah, <laughs> me and Ryan's joke. Mike McIntyre last year said... If Seppo makes the jump he made from his freshman sophomore year to his sophomore junior year, he's going to win the Heisman. Well, and somebody yelled at me a but couple years ago. we've always spun it as Mike McIntyre said he was going to win the Heisman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> somebody yelled at me a couple years ago. I was like, you know, like Seppo's first year, I was like, you know, he doesn't look like he's going to win a Heisman or anything, but he looks tough. And some guy got in my mentions on Twitter was like, not everybody wins a Heisman, bro. And it's like, come at me. I'm like, what in the hell is going on here? So if you're listening to this, sir, um... I don't know. Just like come at me or something like that. Anyways, Jake, keep coming. Uh, I've been watching a lot of the wide receivers as I always do in camp. And, uh, you know, it's one of the easier things to watch just because the ball is there. Second, yes, exactly. second, second of all, you're not learning much from offensive linemen, defensive linemen when they're not able to tackle because they're just in shells or block. Really? Right. They, they can't really do anything. So the wide, they've been doing a lot of seven on seven. So I've been watching a lot of the wide receivers and DBs. I, I'm doing a story on Tedrick Thompson that's in the works because Tedrick Thompson has been impressive. His leadership on the back end of the defense has already been uh, impressing to, uh, impressive to me. Him and Ryan Moeller have been communicating a lot, a lot, uh, it, it, in the few practices I've seen, uh, making sure they get their reads right. Tedrick Thompson's doing a lot of different things in man coverage, which is a little bit different for him. Uh, and I like it. And, and Ted noted to himself that, you know, that was one of the things he went into the offseason uh, trying to improve because he knew he was going to do it a few times this year was play a little man coverage in the slot. He also said that Devin Ross is the best slot receiver in the Pac-12. I Woo! would disagree. 
Um, now that's woo! now that's a take. And when you put together a list of guys that were underutilized last year, no, Devin, no. I think I say this right now. I say this right now. Devin Ross is a guy that this year, if he doesn't get 35 to 45 catches, and 30, I'd say 35. 35 is good. And between 35, he got 25 last year. Yep. If he doesn't get 35 to 45 catches. Thing is, he could have had 35 catches last year if he caught the balls. Sure. And that's why he didn't. Sure. But that's, this is the year to make that jump. And if he doesn't get those numbers he, he really and he doesn't get the yards, then I don't think he's Look, been – you I have, to, you have no to account one, hands, sure, but you got to target the guy consistently as this year. you got to put him in spots. You target to, a guy as many times as he proves to you he's able to, to be targeted. I, if he you can't, can't throw to a guy on third down if you don't trust him to catch the ball. That he, takes out one third of the If he can't receive, how is he a wide receiver? He no, can receive. He can. No, come he, on. But he no, can't. Come on. Now you're being he's ridiculous. Having, but now he's you're having, being ridiculous. He was having he trouble is. catching the ball. He, he, he really was. That. Literally every guy on this roster right now at various times in his career has had trouble catching the ball. And if you're talking about the weakest point of Devin Ross's repertoire, it, would, it might be catching the ball in tough spots. Sure. I don't look at that. De- I've, I've never looked at Devin Ross. Is this as a guy. one of your takes where you don't like actually believe it, but like you're trying to make the podcast <laughs> more fun? I've never done that before. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. No, honestly, Devin Ross, I'm as high on his talent as anyone. I drove the Devin Ross hype train last year uh, and it was derailed because he couldn't catch the ball. I hope, I hope that doesn't happen to him this year you because he is, he is, a, he's a special talent. He's fast. Uh, he's shifty. He knows how to get open. He just has to be able to finish the play. If he doesn't get 35 to 45 catches this year, that's on the coaching staff for not recruiting somebody who's as quick as him with better hands. It is. Speaking of someone that's quicker than him with better hands that I've seen is Anthony Julamisi. Uh, actually completely impressed quicker with him. Quicker with better hands. That's, that's Yeah, you know what? Absolutely impressed with him. His, he, he might be the fastest guy on the team. Um, he was an absolute burner. He went after, so Cepho, they, they're throwing a fly rod. Cepho threw, throws a ball out. Uh, no, it was actually Montez. Montez throws a perfect 60-yard, 70-yard pass. Um, beautiful. On the dot. 70-yard pass? I don't know. It was far away. On, it was like, like six. It's a bomb. It was, it was a bomb. It was, it was past midfield. It was. They were on the other side of midfield. He, he didn't. Montez has a freaking cannon. It, it I know, was, but seventy. Let's let's. You know. Okay, it was sixty yards. It was sixty yards. He bombs this ball to the corner of the end zone, and where uh, Julemisi was when the ball was thrown was probably the twenty-five yard line, thirty-yard line. I was Closing like, speed. right. I was just like, ah, there's no way he's catching this ball. Boom, boom, boom. Right on the money. Gets it, goes, and it was over Isaiah Oliver, who does look terrific. terrific. I'll get to that in a second. But it was over Isaiah Oliver, and it was just a really, really impressive play. And then I I watched him kind of throughout the day elsewhere. He ran a few nice uh, 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 in and routes. In and... Slants? Slants. Yes, slants. So... uh, Watching Jake right now live is just great because he's like spasming in his chair. Well, I'm trying to to describe what's going on in the football game while I'm covering the Rockies game. So, you know, I kind of have to pay attention to there. This is our priority now. Get you a man that can do both. Um, Anyways, Isaiah Oliver going into him, 
really, really good. Uh, I think he's going to start at the opposite. Uh, he's going to he's going to play yeah. a lot of football. I've heard a always, lot about Isaiah. Oliver. I'm just going to keep saying this until he does something really bad and maybe stops being as good. But literally, I watched him literally. walk on the field on the first day of fall camp last year, and I said he's going to the NFL. Isaiah Oliver has generated a lot of talk from coaches, a lot of talk from everybody around the program for the the leap he made and how he showed up last year, of course, but the leap he made apparently. Uh, obviously, we got to see it on Saturdays, like like all of this, like all of this. But Isaiah Oliver is going to be damn good. Yeah, and I really like that secondary. I, the key guy in that secondary, I, I don't know if we've talked about it, Will, but I think the guy that needs to step up most in that secondary is going to be Akella Witherspoon because I have a lot of trust in Ryan Muller, Ted Thompson, obviously Cheeto, and Isaiah Oliver. I need to see something from Akella Witherspoon. Well, and that's the thing well, is... Akello doesn't have to play all that much in, that, in a lot of situations, depending on how Jim Levitt wants but when to do you right. go when you go to nickel coverage, right. when, you, when you've got to bring in that third reliable CB... The question, what, what helps you is this. I think Akello is much more suited for... The outside than the inside? Yes. And I don't think he's all that suited for the outside, but I think he's more suited. What helps you is the versatility of Cheeto. Because you you can bring Cheeto into the slot. You can mix him up because he's great in run support. He's great at chasing down quarterbacks, and obviously we know what he can do in coverage as well. Akello made a really, really – Ted was on the other side of the ball and Moeller was blitzing or something, and – Akello was one-on-one coverage, like 20 yards out from the end zone. Cepho threw up a deep ball into the corner, and Akello went up and knocked down over one of the, it was like Bobo or something. It was one of the legit wide receivers, and I was really impressed with that. But obviously, Cepho doesn't have it anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. But you you've seen it with Akello. He has flashes of both great and horrible. Yeah. Yep. And, and you just you need to have a consistency. And, give it, and, and I even talked to Ted Thompson about that, where it's like. You need the consistency in the other guys so you know you can do your job. It doesn't matter right, what his right. high end in is if his low end is so bad. Well, and what I'm wondering about, and this is one of these opinions that I don't know if it's actually based on anything other than just some weird perception, which is most of my opinions. But I feel like if you're just asking Akello to cover a fly route, run stride for stride for somebody, and maybe make a play on the ball in the end zone, he I'm fine. I'm fine with that. If you're asking him to cover a fade in the red zone, in the end zone, I'm fine with that. If you're asking you, him to stub his toe and continue to play football, <laughs> he can do it, baby. Too, no, that is much too much for him. <laughs> My thing with him is that I don't trust him in the intermediate, which is why he's so, I think, boomer bust. Exactly, and why playing him maybe inside is really dangerous. And perhaps his replacement is a guy like Nick Fisher. Nick Fisher's been. Yes. Nick Fisher's caught my eyes a few times. I, I dude looks like a fullback. Right, <laughs> and, and you know what? I, I always look yeah. at him. and I'm like, isn't shouldn't he be like linebacker or something? Well, and, he's not. Well, he's small. not enough weight to be a linebacker. Right. But like, he looks. Uh, he looks like a power running back or something. He's compact. Like, yeah. He's not one of these like long, like kind Isaiah of almost Oliver. prototypical CBs that McIntyre has recruited. Right, the longer. Yeah. Yeah. So I think maybe like. A, Maybe he could be good at kick returns. Well, they've been playing Jay McIntyre there. Which uh, I love. Yeah. i got to be honest. You know I what? Love. They put Winfrey back there, dropped the first one, and he Bye. was done. Yeah. He was done. And that's, <laughs> it was hilarious. And that's the thing. People will get – I know exactly the people that will get pissed off by having a small white returner. Add to that, he's the coach's son. But how many punts over the course of a year are A, returnable, returnable – and B, are you going to return for a big play? Two, Very three. Few. Well, I mean, even Nelson Spruce last year, he had a huge return. 
45 yard return. Over the course of a year, though, that that's the the most important thing you have is this can't be a turnover. Right, 100%. this cannot be a turnover, especially when you're the Buffs. You it, just can't afford to like, give the ball away. When you're a seven win team and you're trying to seven eight win team and you're trying to be a ten win team, that's that position that sets you apart. All of a sudden, those two three plays over the course of a year set you up for three touchdowns that you wouldn't have gotten elsewhere. Maybe you're a ten win team, and that's but scary. going from a four to a six. Just don't turn the damn ball over. Yep. And that's one of the scary things is last year they were so good with the turnovers. Yeah. They were positive in the turnover ratio. For being a, a football team with their record, you wouldn't expect that. And I think ultimately if you're worrying about special teams, returner is not the point that you're worrying about. I haven't watched Alex Kenny punt. Uh, I did watch Diego Gonzalez kick. Looks very good. He looks like he's figured out his, his problems from the hash. I even talked to him about it off the record, uh, which I'll share a little bit. He, he basically said that, you know, he, he was doing a thing with his balance and his kicks and, and his stepping was off. And he's like, uh, they brought in a kicking specialist. Mason Crosby even came in and talked to Diego. He said, you know what? It was a little bit in my head, too, but, you know, I'm all good. Is what he said, and, and you know what? That's that's exactly what you expected him to Diego say. Diego is the best. I love Diego. I lo- like, I, you know what? And, and behind the scenes of that interview with Ali that did, which was terrific, uh, we were having camera problems, uh, and Ali, you know, was just kind of sitting there out cold. It was her first interview for BS in Denver, and I felt terrible. I'm trying to get great the camera. Job, by the way. Uh, and Diego, the entire time, I'm you know talk. I'm calming him down because I'm like, just stay with us, you know, whatever. It's fine. He sat there for five minutes while we figured out the camera, and me and him just kind of had a conversation. And, you know, other guys would have probably been like, you know, screw these people. And right. then he gave Ali a great interview. Yeah. That's that, awesome. Diego is – if there's anyone who's easy to root for on this team, there's a lot of them. But Diego is one of the best. And at the end of the day, though, like every position, we got to see it on Saturdays. There's not – in football, I don't know. Quarterback is right there, but there may not be a more mental position in football, like oh, um, no dominated way. by mental – than the kicker, than the Absolutely. field goal kicker. And you hope that he's out of his head, but you got to see it to believe it. And with all this, with all the ranting we went on about in the first segment about not getting to see this team as close as we want to, I, I'll just say this. I want to see more, but I still feel like we have a pretty good idea about who the playmakers are on this team. We're not... You know, there are some camps where we there's no real no real upperclassmen that we're, anybody's excited about. So you got to get eyes on the new guys. There's a lot of potential new guys that are going to make a big impact. You talked about Joe Missy. Uh, I've heard r- sporadic rumblings about Bo Bisharat and guys like that. Haven't he wasn't getting many first? He wasn't. You know what? He probably didn't get a first team rep that I saw. He was with the second team. And, and that's totally and that's what you fine. They have so many running right. backs. And, and that's the thing is this. That's already thinning out though. Adkins is already hurt. I mean, Atkins, how many times? Atkins has been hurt his entire career. That's what I mean. How many times can you put some stock into this kid when he just keeps And I don't hurt? think you can. And that's the thing is that at the end of the day. And the thing is, it's just, in my opinion, it's just getting hurt. And maybe, hey, maybe an injury comes out. But he doesn't like to play hurt. And There's if you're a difference back, between playing hurt and playing injured. Right, yeah. If you're running back, you play hurt all the time. Yeah. You are always hurt. Always. So, Ask Sefo if he's been hurt the yeah. last couple of years. Sefo has been hurt every single game. He's been every injured Every single once. quarter right. <laughs> he's been injured. So that's the thing is I, there are enough upperclassmen on this team that I feel like us and others do have a pretty good idea about who this group is from, an, from a theoretical standpoint. It's just about seeing them on a game day in a pressure-filled environment when the lights are on turn it on and go 
to that next step with it. I don't think there, honestly, I don't know that there's that much to gain for us and the fans that are super in the know about this fall camp. That first game, and this goes back to my point earlier, most pressure-filled, most important game of Mike McIntyre's career is that Friday night, the Rocky Mountain Showdown against Colorado State at, what are we going to call Mile High? Is it going to be Sports Authority? Still Sports Authority. By the time we get there? It's just going to be Mile High, I think. No, it's Sports Authority Mile High. They're keeping the branding on it. No, they are. There was an article in the Post about it. How long ago? Uh, About a week. Okay. Things change, bro. But that's the thing. Most important game is career. That's where we're going to find out everything we need to know about this team. And you can follow that game at bsnbuffs.com. Uh, and we've got, we've got actually one more segment coming up in the BSN Buffs podcast. Uh, please do interact with us on Twitter. If you have questions about a specific guy, I have been there at all the open practices, so I can answer those questions. Saturday uh, is an open scrimmage to both the media and the fans, so we'd love to see you out there. If you do run into us or whatever. Don't say hi. You can, don't say hi to Will. You can say hi to me. I, I don't mind talking to any of you guys. I, I had a blast talking with our buddy Elrod and uh, Buff Nick, who actually is both a real person. Both are great folks. Both um, are great folks. So if you, if you do run into us, uh, don't mind saying hi at all. Um, so we'll be right back on the BSN Buffs podcast. Euflora is the Apple store of cannabis. With three locations, the biggest selection in the state, and a tech-driven shopping experience, Euflora is the only dispensary you need. Euflora has over 75 types of edibles, tinctures, topicals, and drinks, and they have over 20 strains of flour at all times. To see everything Euflora has to offer, go to EufloraColorado.com. That's EufloraColorado.com. When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. Life Flower Dispensary on Leedsdale serves medical and recreational until midnight. We are a one-stop shop and have something for everyone. Whether you're a smoker or prefer to use topical treatments for severe pain, we carry a huge variety of edibles, infused sodas, concentrates, flour, and we even carry glass too. Check out our menu at weedmaps.com for specific strains and price details. Life Flower Dispensary. Open 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. Monday through Sunday. Mention BSN Denver and get 15% off your entire purchase. Back on the BSN Buffs podcast one final time, we have a segment coming for you, and this segment is full of bold predictions. (laughs) Uh... You know, the whole idea behind this is to make (laughs) predictions that are bold. Uh, But, uh... I'll start with mine. Or my first one. Steven Montez starts at least one game at quarterback this year. I think it's fair fair to guess that. Um, the question to me is where when they come out with that first pencil depth chart, where he ranks. Yeah, I, he might be third for all I know. So, but Kate uh, Apsay was third last year behind Gerke in the first depth chart. True. Yeah, so it's a pencil for a reason. I th- one of my bold predictions is that Sefo throws less than nine interceptions. How many did he throw last year? Nine. nine. No. Six last year, fifteen nice. the year before, oh, so eight the year before. His average is around nine ish, um, and yeah. Okay, um, 
mine is going to be my first one is going to be Donovan Lee leads the team in rushing. I like uh, that. I think probably if you were handicapping it, Phil would be the favorite. Yeah. Everyone knows how much I love Phil. I just think Donovan is going to get a, a, a comparable amount of carries. And I just he has more big play break breakability. He had break he, he had breakability. He had one in practice with the shells where he bounced it outside and just went outside the tackles and just went down the sideline. He looks so natural no running the ball. Him. It was beautiful. Uh, sticking on the running backs, I'm going to say Bo Bicharette is the uh, key running back for one game, meaning he gets a majority of the carries in one game and a start. The feature, well, a st- feature start whatever. He's the feature running okay. back for at least okay. one game this year. Um, Cepho is going to throw at least three touchdowns against CSU game one. How many did he throw last year? Just two? Two. Um, I, I'd, I, should, I could probably look back through it, but I'd be wondering, when was the last time a quarterback threw for four touchdowns against CSU? Connor Wood. He had he four th- that he game? He had five, I think. Four. Okay. Well, I was drunk. Okay, it was so. Richardson. No, I, I actually wasn't drinking. Wasn't drinking. Maybe it was that he had 400 yards. I know he had four. You know what? I'm going to look it up. But yeah, at least three touchdowns, no interceptions. In fact, Cephal Lufau doesn't have a turnover the first two weeks of the season. I think he did that last year. I think he actually went three. Yeah. I don't no, think no, he had a tur- he, th- he threw a pick to Hawaii in the first game. Yeah. So he had a t- he, but he had he a had turnover a free game, I yeah. think, against CSU. And then against Nichols, too. Okay, my next one is that uh, Cheeto will lead the team in sacks. Cheeto, how many does he get? How many did Jimmy Gilbert have last year? Six, I believe. You could go like five. I think, five. I, think he, I think he gets six. Three touchdowns and 400 yards for Connor okay. Wood. Yeah, against so I knew there was that was an efficient game. I knew 33 of 46. Oh, dude, he was slinging. That was a baller game. Two interceptions against Central Arkansas is not great. No. In the follow-up performance. I think he threw an interception every time he tried to throw the ball between the hashes. My, <laughs> my other one of my other bold predictions Mike McIntyre is going to make ESPN for a tirade this season <laughs> and it will probably one. come against Arizona or Arizona State like he's going to come in hot but not like pissed off at reporters and hostile does it count like if Mike McIntyre once again assaults Joe Tumpkin it, it does it does <laughs> that absolutely counts. I forgot the <laughs> That was like, oh my! That God. was intense. That was like one of the most intense things I've ever seen. And also, I think eventually Levitt's going to get in trouble with the NCAA regarding his love affair. I think Pepsi. he already has, and he's just kept doing it. <laughs> he has he does, toned down the Pepsi tweets, I think. A, a little, little bit. bit, a little bit. But yeah, I think I think the biggest one for me would be turnovers from Cepho, less than nine interceptions, no, at least three touchdowns against CSU. And another thing that I think is going to happen, Cepho is going to break. Who gave the, you all the predictions? Why because I've got around? the most. Y'all ain't coming up with ideas. I have predictions. You, you so, let me okay? The then, room go then speak up. All right, speak up now. There's go. at least one game where Ryan goes off on Twitter about the uniforms. That's not that bold. Probable. Probable. All it's right, there's at least bold. two games where that happens. Anything That's less to do with because Ryan I can only think of a. I can only think of one that they haven't worn yet that would really send me over the edge. You know what uniform I actually saw in a picture? <laughs> maybe it was edge. today uh, that I think is the most underrated uniform. Is the maybe it's white, white, black? I haven't seen that. I, it was ne- a picture of Nelson Spruce uh, at never Colorado. Wore that? It, I'm trying to remember. Are you exactly talking about the silver, was. white, white? Because that one was as the clean, like one of the cleanest things I've ever seen. Oh damn it! I'm gonna fu- yeah. It was white, white, black right here. 
against uh, oh against ASU. Yeah, Ryan didn't see that sick. game. He was at, yeah, a, was at wedding. a wedding. That's sick. Uh, but that's I, a good game to miss. Watched with Dejon Wilson in the Champion Center while I was at a wedding. <laughs> My <laughs> you other didn't travel with the team. You shout out, Bob. Supposed to be there, Bob. Will Will the Buffs return a kick or punt for a touchdown this year? Nah. Is Brian Lockridge still the last one to return a kick for a touchdown against Oklahoma State? Oh, my God. That was after Josh Smith. That was. I think so. No, 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 no. Um, Against Utah. uh, Oh, Marcus Mosley. Marcus Mosley returned one for a touchdown against Utah. And And then then they ran the next one one back. That was what was great. So the last punt return touchdown, though, because Spruce got tackled in like the three-yard line or whatever. And then they didn't. No, that was a different time. They did score. No, I, I, when, did anybody return one under Hawk? Someone will have, will have to look that up. I think it's been a really, I think it's been like since 2007, maybe. Damn, that's bad. I'll, my, my biggest bull prediction, though. I, would, don't, I don't remember seeing one, and I've been watching football since 2007. I, I think they're going to get, so. I think they're going to get a return. Did they not do it in one of those D2 games? I thought they did against like Charleston Southern maybe. No. Oh, Nelson Spruce has the last kick return for a touchdown. He returned an onside kick against Cal. Yes. Yes. Okay. That may be, we'd have to recap like our most entertaining games overall for one sick sad reason or another. That's the most entertaining buff game I've watched in a really long time. It was so exciting that I broke a bowl in my kitchen. You're talking about the double overtime game. The one that he returned was at home. Was that the win? The no, game that, that's that the game that went to overtime. Freezing, that was yeah. the one everyone left. That no, was too they cold. blew him out that year. Which year was this? This was when Cal Sunny Dykes first year at Cal. Sunny Dykes first year, I think, or it was what's his name's last year. I don't know. No, it wasn't Tedford's last year. Huh, I don't remember. Anyways, they've had a couple games against Cal that were stupid entertaining. Last I, week I think they do get a kick return, punt return for a touchdown this year. Last year, I swear, <laughs> Adam and I would do this look at each other every time that they were one broken tackle away from doing it and they will jay mcintyre score a touchdown this year yes 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 and will fans actually be happy about it no yes i think this is the year that he finally gets the love he deserves we we literally talked about this today me and adam before we walked into practice where it's like he's a legitimate player like he does he belongs we've had that discussion he belongs on that field there's just guys that are better in front of him and this is what's nice is that since Mike he's McIntyre not. Mike McIntyre did his job in recruiting better <laughs> players than the players that right. he recruited before. Right. Thankfully. It's just refreshing to see the fact that people don't care. People aren't pissed off at J-Mac that I've seen just because he's not a quarterback. He, he's not in front of the media all the time. And his dad isn't talking about him at every opportunity. It's oh, refreshing. Good for him. At one of the open practices, Mike uh, McIntyre. Uh, recognize Jay McIntyre. Unsolicited? Unsolicited. Jay made a really good catch, and Mike turned around from the different, or Coach McIntyre turned around from the other side of the field. Uh, He was on a different field, turned around and said, hey, that's a great catch, Jay. And that was it. (laughs) That's such a dad thing to say. Like, you would never say, hey, that's a great catch, Anthony (laughs) Jumisi. Great job, Jules. (laughs) Like, and I was just so shocked by it, and, like, no one else around me, like, thought it was weird because, like, they didn't know that he doesn't say J ever, but yeah. Like you, that, has he? You guys didn't we have a, a what was the bet last year? We we were we, we had a bet for a while trying to get him to say J. Oh yeah, and it, he never did. Yeah, he didn't. What, say, what, like what, we what? did like two or three feature stories on J just so we could try and get him to say J. 
And he said, yeah, you know, we have some, like, really other talented receivers as well. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about I just my like, son. No, he'd just be like, I love the whole group at receiver, you know. Uh, uh, so he actually uh, handles it like, like a head he, coach? And he would say, like, number 14. Like, he wouldn't refer to him as Jay if he had to refer to him specifically. He'd be like, the guy with the really hot mom. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the first time he did That's say literally what he said right, once. The, guy, the first time he said, said, said it was after he scored no, the Someone Nichols goes, game. someone tossed the question, what can you say about number 14? Yeah, uh, he's got a really hot mom. <laughs> Back in the days when Mike McIntyre actually gave funny quotes. Because he was dropping the mom jokes, or the wife jokes, his introductory press conference. Remember, so- someone wrote, like, an intense column about how that's, like, extreme, like, every coach says that, and it's, like, extremely It's actually way more was common than I realized. Was it you who wrote that? No. <laughs> no, of all my... Completely self-righteous social takes. <laughs> that was not one of them, which actually is surprising because I'm not Matt, surprised. If Matt I even made a mom joke this year at uh, at this year's media day, where like he that was your question, where he goes, "Yeah, you know, I think my wife would say I still have some things left to work on or something." Mm. Yes, and yes, it, yes. He did say, and that. it was like just funny enough to get the sympathy media uh-huh. laugh, but it wasn't like actually. <laughs> but funny. it wasn't like, oh, that was funny. It was more like, oh, you actually felt like never mind. So, <laughs> anyways. I mean, I don't think bold predictions this year, meh, there aren't a ton of them. We just we'll made see. like 70. I don't think they're that bold. I don't think any of them are, nobody's like, they're going to win eight games. Like, no. Speaking, see, of, like there's speaking bold. of bold predictions, could we talk about bold predictions? Could we be talking about that on the next episode of the BSN Buffs podcast? Who knows? Uh, but for now, we're going to have to wrap this one up. Will's got... Uh, something going on i've got to uh, go to the doctor for the first time in 14 years dude i want it i want it i want the updates on, on will's health you know you don't <laughs> uh, so anyways for will for ryan i am jake you can follow me on twitter at chapelicious him at william underscore whalen him at ryan Koningsberg. follow all of our content at bsndenver.com you have just listened to the bsn denver podcast network thanks for tuning in and we will see you next thursday I didn't know people actually lived there. Tell them about the fucking Colorado cake house. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Coming in hot today. Are we just going to keep rolling with that? Because I'm kind of into it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you should tell them about the Colorado cake house. You know, probably. Probably. We should... I'll, I just can't think of anything after he said fucking Colorado <laughs> <laughs> I'm so distracted. All right.